All right. We're uh, we're recording. Hey, George, how you doing, man? All right. Doing great, Steve. How you been, man? You know, uh, I'm hanging in there. I, I think, <laughs> given the current state of things, that's all we can really ask for at this point is hanging in there. Yep. So, totally, totally get it. I mean, I guess people are a little bit, you know, people have probably been home more in the last month than they've been home in a while. So I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my wife's a, a stay at home mom. So, you know, I'm used to having her around all day, but it's, it's the kids, you know, it's, it's having kids here that it's, um, it's getting old. <laughs> well, for whatever, for whatever it's worth. I mean, so, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I only have one kid. We, you know, she's not even a year old. You know, we haven't even done the daycare thing yet. So I've been, I've been, you know, taking days of the week when I'm not on the road, you know, on kid duty while, you know, my wife has a full-time job. And um, it's, you know, for me, it's just business as usual, man. I mean, nothing really out of sorts. You know, the only difference is it's every day, you know, we're both home, but everybody's in their certain part of the house doing their thing and the kids, you know, still doing her thing. So we're all good, man. You know, a, a year old, like that's, that's when they're adorable. Like, you know, you, you just can't help, but, but think everything about them is amazing. It's when you've got a teenager that <laughs> you, you yeah. just, you just really wish you didn't. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I remember myself back in those days. I was pretty self-reliant. Uh, sometimes my parents, didn't know where I was and they would have to call me to make sure I was still good. But um, yeah, everybody's in a different place for sure. Yeah. So um, what's, what's new with you, man? I see you got the big yeah, light banners. You, you got, yeah, I figured I'd try and like dress it up a little bit. Uh, I haven't done the green screen with crazy backgrounds. Um, what's new. I mean, you know, we, the first part, yeah. So we just ended Q1, right? Yeah. We kind of mm-hmm. came into 2020 on a travel boom, right? We were on the road, uh, whether it was myself or uh, with Alex on our team travels a lot as well. You know, we travel internationally, right? You know, like he was in Australia and London back to back and got in right before this stuff started really breaking down, <laughs> you know, from a travel standpoint. Uh, I was in Texas three weeks in a row uh, between lunch and learns and events and, you know, vendor collaborative stuff. I mean, just we were on fire and then all of a sudden, you know, everything flipped to remote. Um, now for, for us, I mean, if we're not on the, if we're not on the road, then, you know, we're working remote anyway. Right. So from our, our perspective, that was pretty normal. Um, and our team, our team was always, you know, you know, we felt that the best way for us to get the talent, keep in mind, right. I don't have to read, I'm not trying to make this a political commercial, but the economy was really, really good and talent. It was becoming harder and harder and harder to find. That's just how it goes. And um, we felt that in order to get really good and smart and, and talented people, we didn't want to have to like limit our geography to a physical city or region. So we've always, you know, had the whole, hey, we want smart people. We want good people. We're okay with the remote work as long as it's getting done. Um, and so we were already working like this forever, uh, for years. And, um, you know, for us, it's, it's business as usual. Okay. Um, now, you know, I'll tell you that from an MSP standpoint, um, there was that surge of everybody needing to work remote. It's not that I'm sure everybody couldn't or wasn't working remote before. It was maybe parts of their customers were working remote and then parts 
never had gone home before, right? So there was that like 300%, 400% surge, right? And support calls and tickets and as news changes. And like we, you know, got that by proxy of our partners, right? Um, you know, obviously, you know, here at B-Boy, we only support MSP and IT companies. It's, we don't sell direct to the street. So as their influx started going up, our influx started going up. Um, so, I mean, it seems like we're, now that we're three or four weeks in, you know, I know different parts of the country have started this in different days and weeks. It seems like things have really steadied out from a support standpoint, uh, for the most part. Um, I think we're in the beginning of starting to see customers who are either temporarily pausing operations, maybe shutting their doors. Like we're, we're at the very, very, very early stages. When I say customers, I'm not talking about partners that are working with B-Boy, but I think more, it's more about their end users um, that are starting to kind of bubble. And we're, we're at, the, I think, the very beginning stages of that, from my perspective. So do you think that this is going to kind of start a revolution of, of all these companies working remotely permanently? I think, uh, and I've talked to, I'm sure we all have friends in corporate America, big mm -hmm. business and pharma. Uh, I've talked to, I have some very good friends of mine that work at like Merck and Pfizer. And I've had people that work in the financial services industry. And um, everyone seems to have the feeling like at some point in time, they were able to work from home maybe one day a week or two days a week, or like they would experiment with it to some degree. Uh, but now I really honestly think that this has forced everybody to really concentrate and say, um, yeah, does this change after this whole thing is done? I think it will to a large degree. I don't think it's going to be a across the board thing. I don't think companies that have buildings that are empty are going to say, hey, stay home. We're, you don't right. have like, this is over. Corona's over. So come back to the office. I do think, Steve, that there are some people that absolutely can work remote from a position standpoint. But I'm going to be honest with you, and we've seen it here as well. Some people aren't psychologically made up to work at home. They either get too distracted, they just can't do it. They're not very productive when they're out of the home, you know, when they're inside their home setting. And as much as you can try to help them with tips and tricks and ideas, they just can't do it. Um, so for those people, I mean, they're just probably not super productive right now. And they're out there, trust me. Uh, but I do think for other people and for some businesses, and I've heard it as well on the other side of the spectrum, hey, a lot more is getting done. A lot of people are working more. They seem to be more efficient. Projects are getting done faster. So I think there's got to be a balancing that's going to occur. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know what the actual percentage of the workforce that we can say did telecommuter work from home. Let's say it was 10% before. I'm just going to throw a number out there. No, no scientific information coming up I'm just going to put a number 10 percent let's say it goes up to 15 18 20 i mean it could double when it's all said and done i just don't see 80 percent of the workforce working from home after it's all said and done that's i think that's a reasonable expectation truly so has this has this done anything for bvoip for for your business i i i feel like i i i'm kind of thinking it's going to teeter on they've already got the license. They're just moving the phone or maybe they want to add extra phones. I don't know where, where this has fallen for you guys. 
Yeah, so there's generally what we've seen over the last four or five, six weeks is if you know people weren't in a position to rip and replace their, their telephony solution or their voice solution or their unified communications platform uh, in the middle of rushing to get everybody to work from home, unless it just completely crashed out and they couldn't use it. And so we've had a few people bubble up that we've been talking to in the past that maybe went quiet and then all of a sudden said, hey, how quickly can you do something for us? No problem. Uh, but honestly, you know, we've, the majority of our ads and changes have been existing partners who had existing customers who said, hey, uh, we need to increase capacity, right? We need to add more users, add more channels, add more functionality because now these people that largely weren't working uh, through the system are working through the system. No problem. So we saw a little bit of a surge, you know, like from month to month, right? January to February, February to March. Uh, primarily February to March, we saw like a 30% uh -huh. increase in increased order requests. Um, so from, from a number standpoint, that's fantastic. However, I think there's a reverb coming. I think as much as there was the spike, you know, for a minute, there's also going to be on the bottom end people who, again, reduce staff, shut down companies, suspend operations. We're hoping that when it's all said and done, um, this will balance itself out for us. Um, but it's surely not, you know, and as much as we try and not be, you know, you can't really be super salesy during this time either, Steve. I mean, it's probably, you know, like people aren't answering their phone calls to talk about prospective new business because they're still busy trying to keep people going. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, this has to kind of, you know, we're hoping in the next four weeks or so, six weeks or so on the back end of this, uh, while there's you know, now it's now lulled a little bit and it's a little bit less noisy, even with people working from home, you know, that those conversations can continue. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, we're not, you know, we're not super worried. We, we've had certain instances so far, I could probably count them on my hands, where partners have come to us and said, hey, we're in a bind, a specific situation like, hey, we have a limo company and they can't transport anyone right now. Can we put their account on pause? and then bring them back online when they come back and stuff like that. Right. So there's certain circumstances and, you know, we're obviously working with our partners as the situations come up, they knock on our door, we have the conversation, we help them. Um, and then of course there's, you know, you know, at BVoIP, Steve, and, and this has always been the case, right? Cause I think it's very difficult otherwise, although many vendors have different opinions on this, we've never locked our, our partners into long-term agreements. Right. So, you know, if they run into a situation where a customer looks like they're going away, um, 30 day opt out and no, you know, no, no harm, no foul. Um, obviously we'll ask if we could have done something better, but at the end of the day, we're not going to put them into a financial bind where we're expecting them to pay. And there's nobody on the other end of that relationship to pay. So, um, our model genuinely helps this situation from an MSP standpoint because now they're not hamstrung. I know that's not mm -hmm. the case with other solutions and other vendors. Uh, at the very least we're able to help in that way. Yeah, and and that makes me so happy to hear you say that because, you know, there really are kind of two trains of thought on this. You know, one, there's the, I'm going to work with, with my customers when they come to me and see what, what I can do to keep them happy because obviously they're, they're not happy right now and it's not my fault. And, and I want to see what I can do to keep them happy so I can keep them long term. There's, there's the people that are worried about the long term strategy, right? And then there's the people that are worried about the short term. No, I want to get paid right now. I, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn on, on that comment only because 
Uh, listen, we all, we're in the business of helping people. I don't Absolutely. think anyone in this industry started their companies to not help people and also make money, but genuinely help people. So from that aspect, you know, we've had people come to us and like, hey, it's a school, it's a nonprofit, can you help us? Yeah, we can increase capacity and help them through this, not a big deal. We're not asking to, you know, do a money grab. I do think that there's a, there's the freemium thing that's happening right now though, right? Like, hey, we're going to give you 30, 60, 90 days, whatever, six months, eight months, a year of free service um, with, the, uh, with the idea that a certain percentage of those free people will convert into paying people when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, that's, and that's great for the companies that can support that. But you know what, Steve? I've seen companies do this, give out the freemium model. There was a rush to get it. And then the whole service crashed. They couldn't support the influx of all of those free users because they didn't think, oh, well, people are going to actually take advantage of this offer. So I think there's a double-edged sword there somewhere. Um, do, you, do you think we, Zoom we, is yeah. one of those companies? I think Zoom is, you know, like every day you see a Zoom, a Zoom article about, hey, there's a security issue now. People can jump into Zoom meetings unexpectedly. Uh, oh, thanks for the reminder. Lock meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all, all of all of a su- all of a sudden, like there's all of these gotchas. Um, and listen, I get the need to do the you know the camera thing, right? Like mm-hmm. generally speaking, no, I know a lot of people felt not super comfortable doing the camera thing when we're coming from home, right? You know, they don't they may be working out of their bedroom, their living room, whatever, and that just wasn't they didn't feel like that was a professional setting, and I get it. Uh, but now with everyone working from home, there's this, you know, just complete smash run to do, you know, hey, everybody's on camera. And that's great. And WebEx was free up to 100 users, still is. And Zoom had a 45-minute limit on the free. I think they've bumped that up now. Uh, obviously, Microsoft's pushing with Teams, although they had, they've had this huge influx of increase of Teams. And then they had a couple of crashes globally um, just because of capacity problems. I mean, everybody, and then I can put out names that are not so popular, you know, like, you know, known as well, where free offers were put out and all of a sudden there are hiccups. I guess you can't complain if it's free. Um, okay. But that also defeats the purpose if somebody signed up for your free offer and then you couldn't actually use the service. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I misspoke when I, when I asked that question because I I 100% believe that Zoom is one of the companies that has said, yeah, let's let's do this, guys. Let's you know sign up for our stuff. We'll we'll give everyone free. Everyone everyone needs our stuff. I think what I was asking was, do you think Zoom is one of those companies where uh, people are using it more, way more people than usual, and uh, it's crashing hard? Have you had any experiences? I, I've not heard that specifically with Zoom. I definitely have heard it with Teams, with Microsoft. Um, I've heard it with Skype, their res- you know, their non-business variant. Mm. Uh, I've heard it with, um, I haven't heard it with WebEx. WebEx seems to have been stable. Um, I- I've heard it with a couple of other not, you know, as popular um, online services that you probably wouldn't, you know, people watching this may not have out, they're not household names. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think part of the problem is um, you know, this idea that cloud had infinite capacity. Um, no, it has the capacity. 
<laughs> and I think some of these companies started realizing it when, you know, seven or 800% increase in, you know, and, and, and people started signing in and then all of a sudden they didn't expect. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there, everyone's running to reduce bandwidth utilization and bump up resources as quickly as possible, which obviously you can only do so much at, you know, at one time. Um, the same goes for, you know, it could be non-collaborative solutions. Like, with, you know, it could be software that people are using for remote access, right? Remote RDP, remote VPN, remote this, remote that. Um, just to be able to do, you know, the, the you know, kind of RDP or log me in or screen connect or whatever experience you want to call it. Um, everybody had to rush to get all these people connected remotely. And, and some of those services that ended up going out for free got, got bogged down a bit. So um, it's been an ultra super um, come to Jesus moment is the best way for me to say it for everyone, right? Because all of a sudden these services that have been out there forever for years uh, have been pressure tested <laughs> to a large degree. Um, and the reality is that um, we realize that, especially in other parts of the world, Steve, right? Because we have customers in Europe and in Australia, New Zealand, and stuff like that, Canada. Some of the, res- you know, some of the ISPs in some of these areas just, you know, they, they, had, they basically went back to the services like Netflix and, you know, YouTube and all these guys and said, hey, you need to take your, you need to bring your streaming resolution down because our networks are getting crushed. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's as big of an issue in the major metros here in the, in, in the United States, but for sure, I mean, you know, with people who don't have the freely available high-speed broadband, you know, I'm, I'm here in, you know, outside of Philadelphia, and uh, I have gigabit fires, uh, you know, Verizon fires here, no problems. But granted, that's a newer technology, newer network, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you may, we would maybe not have the same bottleneck as somebody who's still on a 4G or a fast DSL, or even in some of these areas that are on cable where, you know, the, the, you know, the, they're all on a shared pipe at some point in the network. And now that pipe's getting really crushed. So it's, it really all depends on where everybody's at as well. So I want to, I want to change gears a little bit. Um, Your, your company, Bevoip, it truly fascinates me because it's called Bevoip, but I, I think one, one of the things that always confuses me is you're not truly a VoIP provider. You, you are more a, a software provider. So I'm, I'm, I'm first, you know, wanting you to, to kind of explain that to people. Cause, cause if I recall, you, you basically, you basically sell people like licenses of three CX and uh, you've also got all these really cool uh, add-ons, especially for the MSP. Well, in, you know, for other people, but, you know, because you work with MSPs, they're especially cool for us because we geek out, right? So you've got stuff where, where it can integrate with, you know, ConnectWise and I think Autotask and, and just all these tools. So can can you talk to me about this again? Because it, it really does it it confuses me why you're BVoIP, but you're not a VoIP com- company. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, all right. So, you know, we took a single instance multi-management approach to our offering. Uh, you're absolutely right. Everything's subscription-based here. We don't like to sell one-off blocks of anything. It's all as a service month to month um, for our partners. 
You're absolutely right that making the phone ring, Steve, I mean, it's been happening for a long, long time. Uh, and not knocking any service provider or, or company uh, that offers unified communications per seat, per user, what have you. Sure. But when we started BVoIP out of an MSP, our big concern was it didn't really seem to be offerings out there geared to solving the problem from the MSP model or, or point of view. Uh, I know a bunch of people have been, you know, popped up to tackle it from different angles. But one area that we felt is a huge gap, and frankly, not many people, and I can't really think of any company from that perspective that's really hit it uh, to any large degree like we have. Uh, And I'm not trying to just make something up. I'm just telling you, we've gone 200 miles per hour down the road of, there is a huge gap in integration and and connectivity Mm -hmm. between the platforms that you use to communicate with your customers and the tools that you're using uh, as an MSP. And so when we started BeVoid back in late 2014 and really 2015, we said, hey, we need to close this gap. I don't understand why we're still talking about click to dial here. Um, that's like, you know, circa tw- you know, uh, 1995, Steve. I mean, it's not new. Um, so from our perspective, there was a huge gap in the, um, maybe the contact center, call center, just straight up day-to-day interaction between the phones, and the collaboration tools and like the ticketing systems, the RMMs, the PSAs, the dashboarding tools, and everything that comes along with that, because all of these things kind of interconnect in this kind of ecosystem type way. Um, so what we did was we launched a platform called OneStream, and we built it many, many times over from the ground up. And what OneStream's whole purpose is, is to really be able to bring, you know, the, the super advanced stuff that, everyone's missing. For example, we're working remote now, right? All these MSPs have these people working from home uh, remotely and being able to see how calls are being handled, how individual customers are being triaged, being able to get uh, reports, metrics, call routing logic to make sure that calls get transferred to the appropriate people sooner rather than later, rather than being bounced around. Uh, Being able to screen pop and automatically tag records within your ticketing and PSAs and RMM and, and ERP systems that you don't have to spend more time typing information in manually. It's just automatically getting in there. And all of these tools are being brought to the forefront, depending on who's calling. This speeds up the interaction. And more now than ever, when people are remote and the efficiency is absolutely needed, being able to have the balance of, hey, the experience for the person that's actually doing the work is to speed up their, their, their situation but also the experience for the people managing those teams is I have the visibility where I didn't have it before, right? And dashboards and wallboards and reporting that just simply weren't easy to put together by trying to match all these tools together. And then of course, at the end of the day, the end customer's experience needs to be really good too, because if they're constantly calling back and if they're constantly getting bounced around and they're not being able to get to the people that they need to uh, in a timely manner, then the experience from their perspective is, is now not good either, right? So that's a, a lot of what OneStream's whole mission has been, right? To go well past a simple click to dial or a single screen pop uh, when a call comes in so that people can really take advantage of what the enterprises have been doing for years, right? I mean, maybe not great. Nobody wants to call into American Express or Comcast or AT&T and, and get transferred eight times and then you have to tell your story over and over again. Uh, that's something we solved for, and yeah, for sure. That's one scenario we solved for in, in one stream, right? Call comes in, we recognize the phone number or the ticket number or the order number. It goes to the right 
team or pod or, or person, all of their systems pull up on the screen. You're like, hey, you know, I need to get you over to level two. They're going to be able to get, you know, progress your issue. And having that smart transfer where all of that information now goes to the screen of the other person internally that answers that call, that's just one workflow example of where we speed up the efficiency, get the information into the system, spend less time looking up tools. Um, we've uh, an, you know, announced a bunch of you know, uh, we call multi-screen pop uh, integration, like call comes in. I recognize who the caller is. I find out their company. I find out the person from the company. I now screen pop the PSA, the RMM, the docs, you know, the system and have all of that stuff drilled in on my screen, ready to go. I don't have to go and like triple search things because it's already in my tabs right in front of me. I mean, that's efficiency, that's speed. Um, being able to take call recordings and upload them against the record um, of the of the ticket or the opportunity or the activity that needed to be done, automatically done for you. Um, being able to take all of that reporting and say, hey, Mr. Customer, um, you're calling me because you're telling me you can't get a hold of our team or you know, your issue isn't getting resolved and being able to actually trace every single call, who they talked to, how many times they got transferred, what tickets were associated with those calls, listen to the call recordings right in the dashboard. I mean, this is the efficiency that we've been after this entire time. So yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, and you're absolutely right, that um, a large part of our development resources, I'd say close to 80% of our development resources have been to broaden that type of integration, to ex you know, expand, to deepen, and ultimately solve the needs of not just the small MSP, which could be maybe two, three, four, five people working from home or remotely, but also the larger MSP who could be multiple office locations, um, you know, you know, dozens of team of, of employees in different pods or service desk levels. I mean, this is the type of stuff that changes the game because honestly, uh, you can plug in any off-the-shelf subscription or product or tool or software, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but tying these things together is not as easy as everybody thinks. Oh, there's an API. Yeah, no. Okay, great. But the end result is not easily achievable. So, what would you say the the biggest integrations people are using from bvoip are sure uh clearly um uh connectwise manage and autotask uh we've seen uh, a lot of hubspot recently uh hmm. of course these are stuff that you can offer downstream right so downstream we're seeing a lot of salesforce from end users of our partners um we we definitely see people taking advantage of the reporting um you know, automation and we see a lot of people taking advantage of um the uh, wallboard and dashboard, um, you know, solutions, right? So they can see stuff in real time. Um, what is, we've had a. What does the so, wallboard dashboard stuff do? Yeah, so there's two scenarios, right? I have multiple. I may have one service queue for my entire company, or I could have different service queues for different departments, different offices, different teams. And being able to take all of that and put it into one place so that everybody can see who's on the phone, how long they've been on the phone, what the status of each person is. Are they out to lunch? Are they in a training? Are they in a meeting? Um, and it just is meant to really give people visibility as an organization into one particular department or all departments in one place. And then as a supervisor or manager, they can see the entire company in a completely different view on one screen where they can see metrics at the individual agent level, at the queue level, at the location level, they can actually see aggregated metrics on, hey, how, how long are how call, calls on hold? How many call? What's our, our abandoned percentage, right? People never get into a human being and hanging up. 
mean, these are the type of things that in real time you can make adjustments um, where before you're retroactively looking at data saying, oh, well, we could have done better yesterday. How about doing better now in the moment? Um, that's what that enables you to do. That is really awesome, man. So I kind of cut you off in the integrations because you, you said, you know, the wallboard dashboard and that just sounded fascinating to me. Did you have other integrations you wanted to talk, to talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, um, we're, we're, we've been in a pilot, you know, trying to finish up our version two of bright gauge. I know a lot of people are, are into that particular platform because it pulls from multiple systems into one mm -hmm. view. Um, so that I think is going to be uh, super popular once it's, you know, it's version two is done. Um, we also see a lot of people with interest into, uh, I said HubSpot earlier, yeah. uh, but we're almost done uh, in Fusionsoft as well, which is a similar package uh, from a marketing automation standpoint for MSPs. Nice. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of people um, really get to the point where um, having all of their tools tie in is super important. I mean, we just launched um, uh, IT Boost and uh, IT Portal, formerly SI Portal. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see some more announcements as you know for future integrations in that category coming soon. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think our goal um, has always been to, you know, I'm not, I'm, all, I'm trying to help as many people as possible with integration, but I'm also trying to go very deep, right? So, for example, we've launched 16 new features that didn't exist before uh, between um, November one and today, and a lot of those features deepen how far, you know, into these different systems we go. Um, so it's not, you know, we're not trying to be surface deep and, and mile wide. We're trying to go, you know, very deep so that it does more than just basics, right? So for example, ConnectWise and Autotask, being able to not just click the dial out of those um, systems, but also be able to uh, automatically backlink to tickets uh, and opportunities and contacts, being able to, you know, really take, information as to who is the last person to touch this stuff so that we can reroute calls back to those people. We've even come up with pin-based routing, and this is, has a really cool security concept to it, where the person calling in has to match a valid pin number before they actually get to an, a human being, and that oh, pin number cool. is something that's generated from the PSA so that you know that the person calling in is not just trying to fake you out, right? Because you can't have a one-on-one -on -one voice, you know, oh yeah, that's definitely George on the other side of the line. Not everybody's going to be able to tell that, right? So that is really cool, it takes man. that social, yeah, that social engineering stuff out of it. And then as well as um, being able to, you know, like going a step further, right? You know, like me being able to see every activity, every phone call within a ticket, every call recording that's been associated with that ticket, uh, being able to take that information and, you know, pass that along to another team member, as we said earlier, that they don't have to start from scratch. I mean, it just keeps a very detailed, you know, you know, timeline of what's going on when it comes to telephony. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, and, and maybe you argue with me, Steve, maybe you won't, but we still feel about half of all service tickets and service delivery uh, is being done by telephone uh, or voice. And that the other half is being done by tickets, chat, text, whatever, but half is still a pretty big number, and we feel that that half could be made a lot better. And and the the interesting thing about that is, uh, and I I want to come back to the ConnectWise thing. 
don't let me forget that. The interesting thing about the half that's being handled by phone is there's the companies that, that are offering those, um, uh, we'll call them like uh, comp customer apps, right? So, so there's, and, and I'm not like digging at Cloud Radial, Envarosoft, Desk Director, like all of those are fantastic mm -hmm. tools. They are absolutely necessary because uh, we need to make sure that tickets that are coming in via app, email, and other, and other computerized forms, we need to make sure that those tickets are being created correctly. So this is not a dig at them. But those guys are trying to say, let's get the customers off the phone altogether. And I keep thinking to myself, that's never going to happen. So the, the fact that you're yeah. building stuff and, and that you're, you're kind of building on top of this and making it, making it just better, you're, you're giving people a better experience. Now, the, so the ConnectWise thing, I, I've got two. There's the ConnectWise uh, call recording thing, and then there's the, we're going to call it the, the two-factor authentication for, for phones. So the call recording thing, is that like putting all of this as like internal notes into the ConnectWise ticket? So that way people that are using, or, or Autotask, that way the, the, the technicians, they just look at their single source for the, the ticket communications and then they can be like, oh yeah, let me listen to these, to these phone calls too. Yeah, so everything, you're exactly spot on, Steve. Everything shows up in the ticket. Everything shows up as attachments in the ticket. So as a person within the ticket, I can follow everything very clearly. And I don't have to decipher notes. I can just play the call right there and then. But then as a manager, I have a consolidated dashboard where I can see every call, every engineer, every customer, and every recording, and every ticket all consolidated into one screen, one dashboard. So as a supervisor, I can very quickly get to the information. As an individual logging into the ticket, I can get specific information in regards to that ticket. Again, I'm just trying to get all the information together so that you can more quickly get to the meet and get to the res resolution rather than having to ask questions over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so that's super important to me. And, and it's super so important cool. to customer experience, right? Because the customer doesn't want to have to go through this over and over again. And Steve, there's even another aspect. Let's say a customer called in or, or sent in a ticket or email, whatever. And, you know, they were, you know, they, we left four voicemails for them. They never called back. And then all of a sudden their perspective is, well, nobody ever got a hold of me. I never checked my phone. They call in, you know, salty that they never were communicated with. Now all of those transactions are right there. Uh, and are those, the customer here they are. <laughs> And are those uh, ticket attachments also visible to the customer on a ticket? They can be. They can be. It's really up to you. And, and if you oh, want to expose nice. that or not. Well, that's yeah. very cool. Um, so then the next thing I meant, I, I said I wanted to talk about, I'm, I'm going to call it two-factor authentication because, I mean, that, that is almost what you're doing. You, you said it has to match a PIN that's generated yep. by, the, by the PSA. Yeah, so what happens is that we take advantage of custom fields, right? And Autotask, ConnectWise, uh, you know, soon Kaseya BMS, uh, Freshdesk, Zendesk, they all have this concept of um, a custom field, right? So all we do is we say, um, hey, we're going to create a custom field for this, this PIN number. We're going to auto-generate it. We're going to make sure the customer understands that now when they call in, they got to type in a, a, their unique PIN number. And if they don't, then two options can occur. One, the system hangs up on them, which could get frustrating. 
And two, they get routed to another place so that they can verify who they are uh, before they actually go and talk to someone. Um, But if they have a matching pin, then now when they call in, guess what? We know who they are because that pin number is unique to their contact. So we know it's George. We know it's from George's auto. We know that, uh, you know, he validated. So that's all showing up on the screen. And now I'm on, I'm already three steps ahead because I've screen popped George's contact record, the, the list of all of George's tickets from newest to oldest. I've screen popped all of his assets in RMM. I've screen popped the documentation screen uh, for that person in my doc system. And it's all in front of me. And I'm like, hey, George, how can I help you? And I'm like three steps closer to getting them solved. So this pin, is this, um, is this unique to each uh, ticket or each contact? Each person, each individual. Okay, so how do they get their PIN? Oh, good question. Um, So a couple of different ways. One, um, they can be given the PIN verbally or via email, and you can argue which is secure and which isn't. Um, There is is a widget that you can install in the portals that you just mentioned, right? The desk directors, the Envirosofts, the... You know, the whatever it may be. And then there could be a little, you know, it could be a resource, a link, a little widget that pops up within that portal. So it gives them their pin there. Or you can install that widget wherever you want. It's an HTML snippet that you can install um, on almost any web page, right? So, of course, you know, there needs to be some uniqueness to it, right? Because they need to be able to identify who they are to give them their pin. Uh, obviously, those tools that you had mentioned earlier automatically do that, right? So we're already one step closer to saying, oh, well, you're George. You signed in as George. Your email address is George. George, here's your PIN. Now, when you call in, you already have that number. Oh, that is fantastic. You know, I, I got to say, um, I'm, I'm doing a, a recording later with uh, someone who, who's all about security, and he would love that. So I, I'm definitely going to suggest he watch this later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him you know, your, your company name, give them your name. Uh, I, I suspect I'm going to get you a new customer by the end of the month. Um, That'd be cool. I mean, it's all about collaboration, right? I think, yeah. we, you know, like back to your point, we solve on one side of the spectrum. There's other guys may solve on the other side, right? But together, you know, it's a more, it's a more mature operation, right? I mean, and, you know, what we're in the middle of working on now, Steve, and I'm kind of, you know, throwing a little angle at you. What we're in the middle of working on now, Steve, is, you know, tying all these pieces together from a um, experience standpoint. What do I mean? Mm. So we have one stream, which is integration. We have all of our call center functionality built into, you know, our our VoIP platform that you can use. But now we're going, you know, now we're very close and we we keep on coming up with cool little widgets, right? You know, just the other day we announced busy light integration, right? And for people who don't know what that is, it's a little, you know, light, you know, that you can get in different profiles. You plug it into your computer. And when you're on the phone, it's like a recording studio light, right? Hey, I'm on the phone. Don't bother me, red. Or, hey, Mm. I'm off the phone, green. Or, hey, the phone's ringing, blinking, right? And this just helps people know, hey, not to, like even in an office environment or a home environment, it helps. We're taking our solution now and we're going to the collaboration suites, right? So we're in a pilot right now with Microsoft Teams. Um, you could utilize Teams uh, tied into our call center functionality, our integration functionality, all of the stuff that we've built over the years now can overlay right on top. You can reuse your existing devices uh, so that you don't have to go and buy Teams devices. Although if you have Teams devices, those will also work. You know, so we're trying to bring all of that together, right? Because the reality is that making the phone ring, not a problem. A lot of people can do it. No, no issue there. But bringing all of this integration 
and automation and cost strategy to, to overlay on top, those are the pieces that we've already solved for. No reason. So if you come to me, you know, and I say, hey, you're using Autotask and Teams. Well, now, they, now there's Autotask and Teams integration. Done. We already have it, right? With one stream. Same with ConnectWise and HubSpot and Salesforce and so on and so on and so on. What about, um, so, so I, I know guys that are going gangbusters with Teams voice. So they're like, mm-hmm. you know what? We just want to use Microsoft Teams as our VoIP platform. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is there going to be, and, and, and I might've just misunderstood what you just said. Are you making mm-hmm. one stream so that way it's, it's able to work for Teams voice people? So here's what we're talking about with Teams voice. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that solution other than, you know, resellers need to be very cognizant that if they're buying calling plans from Teams they, and reselling them to the end user, they are now a carrier and they have to collect taxes and regulatory. And right. Microsoft has right. it in fine print. <laughs> but let me go a step further. When you, that means you have to have a calling plan for each Teams extension or user, one-to-one, right? In BeWip land, you know, you can now overlay how we do things, which is one-to-many, right? You don't have to get your calling plans from Teams. You can get your preferred SIP provider or, or SIP trunk solution. You sign up for the package that you want. You connect it to BeWip. BeWip connects to Teams. And now the only thing you need with Teams is you need to have a SKU called uh, phone, Microsoft Phone System. It's an $8 per user per month SKU. And now all of a sudden, you don't have to do one-to-one calling plans for every user in the company. Now, once that's in place, so let's say you picked your calling plan you know, package, right? Whether it's minutes-based or lines-based, you add it to BVoIP, you add BVoIP to Teams, now all of the BVoIP functionality works with Teams, call queues, call routing, auto attendance, ring groups, time of day routing, all the stuff that's missing in Teams. And now you turn on one stream for the users within the organization that want integration with their Teams user, and you're done. Now all of a sudden you have the best of both worlds. You save money because you now have to do one-to-one on the calling plan. Mm-hmm. You're, you can get out of that regulatory bullseye with reselling dial tone. You can turn on the integrations and we have uh, taken all of our one stream uh, dashboards, apps, wallboards, and they can now be uh, visible and opened up within the team's app. And it's all seamless. I love it. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. perfect. That, that, I mean, that is literally the way I was hoping you would tell me that this works. So, so I, I, the guys that are like, no, no, we're using teams for voice. Okay. Well you can use your teams for voice, but I also want to make sure you've got all the, the cool features and functionality that, that BVoIP is able to get you with their one stream app. Now you're able to integrate yep. your, your PSA CRM, whatever, right. Uh, or even your customers PSA CRM, whatever into the telephony into teams. And I would say that the guys that are doing it right, they're, they're reselling all the Microsoft 365 stuff, but then they're having the customer buy the, um, like the SIP trunk stuff or the, you know, that stuff directly from Microsoft. Yes. Yeah. And, and this, in this, in this case, they can still resell the phone system SKU. Again, it's $8 Mm is available through, like let's say they're already working with a Paxade, an Ingram, a Tech Data, whatever. All these, this SKU is available, and you can get your discount. 
and you can add it on to your CSP plan and sell the saw and sell the license, right? Or the subscription. And then from a dial tone perspective, um, you can have the end customer uh, be invoiced directly for the dial tone package, which means that you're not collecting money on top of dial tone, which is the litmus test to the whole problem area. And you're good to go, right? You can sell them all the technology cloud in the world. And then that one component, they can have the end user being uh, sold, you know, paid directly. Now, the cool part is when they do that, they still get a component, they still get a commission off of that. They still get a piece. Hmm. Um, where before, if they have micro, they have their customer go directly to Microsoft to buy the calling plan, they don't. Um, so they have more control. They have more cost, you know, you know, capability control. They can do a one-to-many. And the cool part is they can have extensions and users on the BVoIP side that may not need to be on the team side. Think about the lobby phones, the overhead paging speakers, maybe people who don't, aren't full-time employees. Maybe they're part-time. Maybe they're front desk people. Not everybody in the company maybe need teams. And so those people can still be on, you know, can still be on the phone system, but now they're not having to actually in, uh, enable Microsoft licensing when they don't need to. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I got to say, George, kudos to you for keeping up with all of this uh, telephony stuff that's out there, um, especially, like I said, on the, on the Teams thing. Um, did you see uh, Zoom finally launched their Zoom phone service to the to the general public? I did, I did, and and like Teams, it's not as full featured as almost every phone system that's been sold for decades has been, right? So we're but we what we are keeping a very close eye on. I'm not sure if you noticed, Slack uh, just announced yesterday their Teams integration. So as that really? type of stuff continues to tie together we can piggyback right in on that, right? So, you know, hey, you got BVoIP, you got Teams, you got Slack. Well, if Slack connects to Teams and we connect to Teams, then now you have integration all the way through. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's going to start to happen now that everyone seems to be in this, hey, let's play together rather than, you know, fight against each other. That is neat. So, uh, yes, seven hours ago, I see... I've never heard of that place. I'll I'll find someone else. The Verge. I've heard of that one. Slack mm-hmm. launches call integrations for Teams, Zoom, mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. That is. And awesome. I think you'll see. I think you'll see the same with Zoom. I think you're going to see that, and you'll see the same with WebEx. And now all of these services will be interconnected. But here's the problem: when these services try to be phone systems, they fail. Uh, maybe very, maybe very basic phone systems will be okay. But that's no differently than me giving somebody a cell phone with a line, right? Uh, that's not giving them all of the functionality that we're talking about, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, cues and auto attendance and time of day routing and call recording and you know, integration. Like all of this stuff falls down, right? And if you ask any of these companies, they're looking into it, but their roadmap for this is way out, years out. So I'm not trying to wait for that. I'm trying to solve that problem right now. You know, that, that's what we're talking about. I'm not trying to be Teams, WebEx, or Zoom. That's not our specialty. But we can surely let them do their part, integrate our part. And now when you put everything together, the circle looks much better. And I don't think, 
I don't think your company is even competing with Teams, WebEx, or Zoom because again, nope. you just you just said that you're integrating with Teams, and who knows, maybe eventually you'll integrate with Slack or with uh, Zoom for the phone stuff. Maybe and maybe you already do integrate with Slack in a different way. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've built all this integration in the Slack around notifications, messaging, you know, chat mm-hmm. back and forth. But when we're talking about voice, if Slack's already done the heavy lifting to connect their voice component to Teams, and we've connected our voice component to Teams, then by proxy, we may have already solved the, the missing gap, right? So at the yeah. end of the day, our goal is to continue making those links, continue unifying that situation, because at the end of the day, I think everybody's good in their own right. You know, when you try and be too many things to too many people is when things aren't as great. And that's what I feel like this ancillary phone voice solution. And I'm not knocking Zoom, I'm not knocking Teams, but sure. neither of them are very strong in that area. And they'll both admit that. Um, they're just trying to like make it just enough to say, hey, it's cool. Um, yeah, but I want it to be functional too, right? And this is the pieces that are missing. And here's the work that we've done to solve those pieces. And let's connect all the dots. I mean, that's really what we're after. And uh, that, uh, and and I'm looking at your website now. It is gorgeous. Your your whole your whole brand. What, did you redo all this recently? Yeah, I mean, back I think a year and a half ago or so. It's not this past DataCon, but the year before, uh, we did a uh, a rebrand and a relaunch of the of the B-Boy brand. New logos, new coloring. Um, basically, you know, just trying to keep up with the ebb and flow of marketing, uh, sure. which is its own animal. But uh, we, are, we are in it, and we are in it for the long haul. And I think you're going to see some really cool things. I mean, you know, Steve, we're innovating at a ridiculous pace, and we're putting out features daily at this point. So we're just – our goal is to keep the pedal down. We have not stopped since about November around IP Nation time. Even with all of the stuff that's happening now, our people are still hard at work, and we're just trying to innovate uh, as quickly as possible and not just do duct tape-based integration paper thin mm-hmm. integration. I'm talking about real stuff, Steve, stuff that's going to save people time and can make them hopefully some money or cost savings on the other side. Oh, that's great. Um, George, I know that you have uh, another obligation to get to. Is there anything that you yep. want to toss out there as we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, listen, keep, you know, keep, everybody, we're, we're in this together, right? In the current situation, you know, mm-hmm. world events, um, we're all here to help each other. I mean, don't hesitate to reach out if you need help. I and mean, that's not just for me. I think that there's a large community out there, people that are willing to keep people afloat until we get through this. So if there's anything we can do um, at BVOIP, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, vice versa, if we can help, we're putting that out into the world as well. Uh, but don't, don't go at this on your own. Um, there's people and there's resources. And, and really honestly reach out because – you know, if you don't, then it's really on you. Awesome. Thanks so much for, for hopping on here with me today, George. Uh, for any of you guys that, that are interested in learning more, BVOIP, the letter B, V-O-I-P, dot com. Uh, reach out to George or one of his team members. They've even got a little chat thing down in the bottom right corner. I bet everyone is home ready to take a chat with BVOIP right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All good. Well, we're, we're happy to chat when you guys are, are out of the, uh, out of the thick of it. And Steve, I appreciate your time and keep in touch. Awesome. Thanks George. Take care, everybody.